Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Chuck Whiteman, who is Senior Vice President of Client Services at Motion Point Corporation. Today we will discuss the growing trend of bilingual websites. Chuck has almost 20 years of experience providing strategic planning, marketing, and technology consulting for leading companies in a variety of industries. He has expertise in multi-channel marketing, technology strategy, and operations. At Motion Point, his team strives to help clients maximize the value of their multilingual websites by intelligently and efficiently targeting new markets. Before joining Motion Point, Chuck was Executive Vice President of Divers Direct, a multi-channel specialty retailer and engagement manager at Accenture. Chuck, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Do you have any statistics, either in actual numbers or maybe percentage, to help us understand what we're talking about in terms of a trend of glowing bilingual websites? Um, I don't think I've got uh, sort of global statistics. I can tell you that uh, Motion Point, um, as a company, we're a technology company that uh, makes it much easier for our clients to um, language enable their websites and uh, penetrate new markets. And I can tell you that a large percentage of our um, client base is focused on the U.S. Hispanic audience. Um, traditionally or historically, it's been well over 50% of our business is focused on uh, U.S. Hispanic. I think as sort of globalization has taken hold and uh, particularly, I think, accelerated by the um, economic difficulties of the past few years, I think companies are increasingly looking to find new markets. You know, as you're current market shrinks or stagnates, the way to grow, um, I I suppose there's two. Um, One is to take share from your competitors. Another is to go find new markets to to add to your portfolio. And um, I think the the, um, demographic trend within the United States has been evident for a long time and has really attracted the attention, particularly, I would say, of our um, clients who are business-to-consumer focused, and particularly those focused um, on the United States see the U.S. Hispanic audience as a way to continue growing. And um, obviously, the um, sort of the web, Internet, is increasingly a place where companies are investing their attention and resources as a way to uh, to market. You know, know, our clients' websites are – Generally, they're uh, most efficient marketing vehicles. They're, you know, the distribution cost is essentially zero, and the content can be updated instantaneously, which uh, compares very favorably to printed materials, um, and or you know, putting boots in the in stores and that sort of thing that are uh, bilingual or uh, capable of of really servicing a multicultural or diverse audience. When you say that 50% of your business is the U.S. Hispanic market, are you referring to your domestic business or your global business? Our global business. So um, we support websites um, in, I think, the 
the most recent count is 34 languages um, every day across the globe. Um, but Spanish is the, the language that we support uh, the most. Um, I think in the last few years it is uh, less than 50%, but it's still a, a very large percentage of our clients are aiming squarely at the um, large and growing U.S. Hispanic audience. And um, um, I think the, the demographic trends are, are the reason for that uh, on the one hand. And then on the, the other hand, the sort of migration of marketing spend towards the web is the other kind of driver of this, this, um, this trend. We know, of course, that the diverse markets that you were talking about a moment ago are more than just the U.S. Hispanic markets. In the United States, we have the Asian, of course, and the African-American communities. Is the Asian community, or perhaps I should say communities, not looking for information in foreign languages? Are they pretty much English dominant in their needs? Um, I, I would say the answer to that question is it varies. Um, a, a very large dynamic website aimed at the United States is going to be, um, the, you know, kind of driven by the size of the site in terms of the number of pages and overall content, but can be very um, expensive to maintain. Um, I would say that our clients focused on U.S. Asian markets that we support in multiple languages um, are tend to be more regional, um, often uh, local government. So, and particularly West Coast, we'll be doing um, sites for either um, municipalities, even states. Um, we've done some sites for political candidates in Asian languages, particularly uh, the, the most recent governor's race in the state of California. We did, uh, for one of the candidates, a, both a Spanish and a Chinese site. Um, so I, they tend to be uh, not cost-justified, the Asian languages for the U.S. market, um, just because of, uh, you know, the, the market is much smaller um, than, say, the U.S. Hispanic audiences, yet the, um, the cost would be equivalent. When you're looking at developing a website into a bilingual website, what kinds of issues do you consider? Well, the, um, it, you know, at our core, we're a technology company. So the the first problem we solve is how do we make sure that this site, as it's maintained in its native language, which often is English, how do we um, configure our technology to make sure that the, the moment it is updated in English, um, our team that's supporting that brand um, instantly sees that content and can tra translate it promptly and, and make the experience equivalent. So that's our, our primary objective day one is to create parity on the 
a version of the site aimed at a particular audience that's, that speaks a different language. Um, and that is always our recommendation to clients is, is that your first objective is parity. And once you achieve parity, that's the opportunity or the time at which you would begin to customize or localize the site in ways designed to better engage with that target audience. And we would always, and I can't stress this enough, always work with and recommend to our clients that they test these localizations and customizations because um, it's just so, so frequent that, um, that we, our clients, come up with uh, customizations that we believe will better engage that target audience and find that they, in fact, drive just the opposite behavior of what we're attempting to drive. It's interesting that you say that because I've heard from some individuals that they look for products and labels and promotional materials in English, sometimes even though their language of preference might be Spanish because they find those most trustworthy that sometimes the materials that are provided in Spanish are flawed, not well translated, that don't convey the message well, they don't trust them. Do you get that kind of a reaction? So the, the, the question, just to restate, is, is the problem that um, many, say, Spanish language websites face is that they're just poorly translated? Is that the question? I, I don't have any statistic data to say categorically most. I'm just saying I've heard from some individuals that they hesitate sometimes when they're offered materials, not just websites, but materials in general, whether it's a phone tree or a brochure, that oftentimes the, the information that's there is incomplete, refers them to a page, even though they're on a Spanish language page, there's content in English, or refers them to content in English, or the information itself is in Spanish. Let me restate the question. Is there a way to approach the website, to make the website bilingual so that these issues are not present? Yes. Um, the, the quick answer is yes. There is a way to... Um to support websites in multiple languages so that you achieve what I'll just call parity, which is uh, equivalent experience in another language. Um, it is um, absolutely true. The first part of your question was really a, uh, a comment, and this is um, something, a behavior that we see. We, we support hundreds of websites for the U.S. Hispanic audience and, and can see the behavior of those visitors, and one of the things that we absolutely see is this um, mistrust that you referred to or this maybe um, lack of engagement due to the um, assumption that the experience is going to be inferior. Um, trust is really a major driver of both traffic and engagement, we found, and it's particularly true of the U.S. Hispanic audience. Historically, Hispanics in the U.S. have been wildly underserved by Spanish-language websites because those Spanish-language websites are typically what I'll refer to as microsites, um, which sort of by definition offer scaled-down functionality and content. Um, but in addition to being scaled-down, they're often rarely um, updated, which um, 
causes the audience to be pretty skeptical and suspicious of uh, a website that's in Spanish. They are um, often assuming that they're not getting all of the functionality that English speakers are getting on the the sibling site, and uh, they're also very suspicious that the content they're looking at is not uh, the latest content. And it, you know, it's not surprising from companies' standpoints that this is what you know, the approach they've taken. It's the general market because it's the general market. There are a lot more people in the United States that, spe that speak English than speak Spanish. And if you're going to invest um, in marketing according to opportunity, you will invest more money in your English site than you will in your Spanish site. So companies do the rational thing and they create smaller sites that aren't as costly to build and maintain. Um, but this causes you know, kind of the, I guess it's ironic that it actually creates disengagement among this target market they're intending to engage. Um, so our recommendation when it comes to microsites is really, there's a reason for a microsite, which is to um, create a culturally relevant landing page or set of pages that either address a specific issue unique to the Hispanic audience or um, ties into a, a, a marketing campaign that is uniquely Hispanic. But the purpose of those microsites, in our opinion and our experience, frankly, is to transition that traffic over to the main website, which is intended to deliver a lot of value to visitor and also generate a lot of value to you know owner of website and uh, when that second piece is missing you end up um, with a you know neither delivering a bunch of value to visitor nor generating a lot of value to company in general I would say there uh, certainly are exceptions to that but uh, that's w what we see are there guidelines that you share or recommendations that you make to your clients to say, yes, you should go forward, you, you have the right approach, you have the right elements to make this a successful bilingual website, or no, take a moment and, and rethink this? Well, I should, I should begin by, answer, by stating that we're not an ad agency. I mean, we support websites in 34 different languages every day, and the number of, you know, sort of distinct target markets is many, you know, as a factor times 34. Um, so we're, we would not consider ourselves to be expert at understanding a particular, um, what motivates a particular niche of, of customers that our clients are trying to support. That said, we're incredibly data-driven. Um, we, we aggregate user behavior and uh, are able to see what a, you know, an aggregate or composite um, picture is of many of the markets that our clients serve, and U.S. Hispanic is one of them. Um, so we're able to advise on, you know, whether there's likely an opportunity um, in terms of the exact creative approach um, you know, our, I, I guess our, our MO would simply be create parity. If, if there's an opportunity, which is typically a market research 
exercise, which we can help clients with, but they typically are able to do on their own as well. So if there is an opportunity based on the market and the demographic trends that our clients see, then our advice is, is to deliver parity to that target market, obviously in the language that that market um, understands, which in U.S. Hispanic will be Spanish. At least um, more than half of U.S. Hispanics either want or need to consume content in Spanish. And get the, uh, get the site live. And um, after the site is live and delivering you know, an equivalent experience, that, that's the time at which to go to work on optimizing the visibility of the site within the target market and then tweaking it to, to increase conversion. And as I said, we're just a very, very data-driven organization. And once the site is in place, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a more of a technical testing exercise um, that we engage in to make sure that we're optimizing the site. There is obviously a creative element as well, but we leave that typically to our clients' marketing departments or their, um, you know, marketing agencies. You mentioned that more than half of U.S. Hispanics want or need information in Spanish. What is the source of that information? What is the source of that statistic? Well, we have a, a number of different sources that all kind of support that. Um, the one that I'm most familiar with is a Forrester technographic uh, study, which I'm not looking at at the moment, but uh, if memory serves me correctly, um, their analysis showed that 51% uh, of U.S. Hispanics either want or absolutely need to consume content online in Spanish. What's the toggle? So the, the toggle is um, typically a, a site that has been um, that supports multiple languages will somewhere on the site allow the visitor to switch languages. Um, so I assume that's what you're referring to when you say what's the toggle. And um, what is interesting, we've done a lot of research around the toggle, and there are really a couple of issues to think about um, as it relates to the toggle. The first is finding it. So it is not true that um, all websites are supported in multiple languages. And so it is um, also true that the market doesn't automatically assume that, that that's the case, and so they... Um, it's going to be more of a uh, happy accident that they stumble upon the toggle. Um, and once they do see the toggle, whether they click on it or not is really going to be a function of that trust uh, element. They're often re reluctant to click. Nobody wants to waste their time. And if you think that what's behind that click is a, uh, you know, a, three-sentence version of the return policy in Spanish or, you know, a Spanish language um, call center phone number or something, you know, equally unhelpful or unrobust, then you might not bother clicking on it. And uh, both problems exist. And um, one of the other things that we see related to the toggle is that um, the market often 
toggles back and forth. And um, we think what is going on there is that they're, um, the user is giving themselves some comfort that, that what is appearing to them in Spanish is equivalent to what is being displayed in English. So they're toggling back and forth to get some comfort that it's um, up updated content and functionality. And actually, um, some of our clients have done some detailed research into, you know, and focus group research into, you know, what's going on with it when this toggling is happening, and and have found that their the user may also be sort of teaching themselves English. So it's a little bit of a um, assimilation uh, behavior where Spanish speaker reads it in Spanish, flips to English, and is a, a sort of a I guess a poor man's version of Rosetta, Rosetta Stone. <laughs> Are there particular industries that you've observed among your clients or in the industry overall, the multiple language website development industry, that are more likely to make the effort to translate their websites into more than one language? Well, I started by saying um, we serve dozens of industries, and the first delineation I'll make is business to consumer and business to business. Um, I would say if we're speaking strictly about U.S., Hispanic, Spanish websites, that's more of a B2C, business to consumer phenomenon than it is B2B. Um, companies that are are, you know, have a big presence in the U.S., looking for growth, may um, see a, a large opportunity to really target and try to penetrate the U.S. Hispanic um, audience. I think of some industries doing that heavily um, would include wireless, um, consumer products. Um, E-commerce is beginning to... Um, I, I would say it's kind of maybe earlier stage than some of those other industries. And I think the reason for that is they are larger and more dynamic sites. And without, um, without a, a technology solution like Motion Points, in fact, some of our uh, clients, some of our larger retail clients would say there would be no possible way. It's not really a matter of expense, but just uh, practical. There's no process that exists for them to keep a website that is as large as, say, a BestBuy.com and as dynamic as it is with as many different people and, and departments updating that site, there's no process that they could envision to intercept new content as it hits the site in English, get it out to a translator who would then get it back, and as it is say placed back in the website. Um, there's a, a challenge you go from one language to another is uh, one of word growth. So Spanish is typically about a third longer than English, and if you go to say Asian uh, languages, Chinese and Japanese, it's going to go the other direction. So you're going to have word shrinkage. But one of the things that that does to websites is it just wreaks havoc on the the layout, the look and feel. And so what happens when you try to uh, manhandle a large dynamic website um, as you're trying to get it into another language is you get this iterative process where you're 
having to abbreviate or change font size or customize the content to make it actually fit in the, you know, within the image or within the menu structure or above the fold, those sorts of things um, that add a, just a lot of overhead to the process. And by the time that whole process would um, unfold, these dynamic websites, the, the original, the English content would have changed. So there's just physically no way for them to keep up. And uh, so that's maybe a, a bit of an aside why it is that I think retail is a little bit behind some of the other industries. But that's B2C. Business to business, most businesses, and I will accept some that are highly regulated, which would include, say, insurance, which we do a lot of U.S. Hispanic sites for insurers, but they tend not to um, you know, add German or Chinese or Japanese. Um, but that's because those are very um, nationalistic sorts of industries. Obviously, uh, government sites are the same way. Um, but most of our clients are companies, at least most of our business-of-business um, clients are companies that have a global opportunity. And for those companies, they, they are really looking at the world as their platform for growth. And they're looking at, you know, U.S. is the number one market on the planet, $14 trillion GDP. Um, China is the new number two at about half of that. Japan recently um, surpassed by China is, you know, right around don't know the exact statistic, but around $6 trillion, and so on and so forth. Um, what they're looking for are markets that um, they believe, both in terms of the intrinsic value of that, that market as well as the competitive landscape in that market, they're looking for opportunities, and often they'll find it in a country that doesn't speak English, which necessitates not only a website translation exercise, um, but also typically some localization, customization, that sort of thing to serve a different, you know, a, a lot of our clients sell different things in different markets across the globe. They obviously have in-country marketing campaigns that are different from market to market, and so that requires customization and, and that sort of thing. Which, uh, which our technology supports. And I'm not sure if I've answered your question or not. Well, I think we could discuss this in, at length uh, <laughs> if we had more time, but I know we're short of time today. What tips, what suggestions would you share with our listeners, Chuck, who are interested in getting a better understanding of bilingual websites, specifically those that might be targeting Spanish-dominant, Spanish-speaking Hispanics in the United States, uh, either to business-to-consumer or business-to-business? How can they get started or how can they improve their efforts if this is something that they want to do? What three tips would you share with them? Well, the first is, um, and this is particularly relevant to the U.S. Hispanic audience, is um, start with parity. Um, the second would be don't assume that, you know, you know what that market needs. I, you know, by all means, make 
you know, educated guesses, but always test. I, um, Latino Link is a book that was recently um, published not, within the last year. And um, the author, Joe Cochera, interviewed Best Buy for this uh, book. And uh, one of the sections is called Building Trust Through Content Parity. Um, they, Best Buy, I, I'll just quote this little segment from the book, we conducted a usability study observing people navigating and using the Spanish website and we were surprised to find that instead of unique content, what they adamantly wanted was an experience that was the same as the English site. Differences in offerings and even in imagery created fears of discrimi discrimination and broke down trust based on conversations with customers and the data we gathered. We concluded that our original hypothesis was in fact invalid for Best Buy. As a result, we shifted our efforts toward creating a unique and compelling invitation as opposed to creating unique site content. So what they found, and I would say this is certainly not, uh, you wouldn't, shouldn't assume that this is universal, but what they found was that um, the marketing needed to be culturally relevant. The site needed to offer parity. And so I guess that's the, the, the way they learned that was through testing. And then I think the third thing is, you know, kind of recommendation is there's just a lot of decisions to make as you try to target a new, um, a new market online. Questions like, should I translate all the content? Do I need to uh, change the terms and conditions? How do I handle trademarks and branded terms? How do I handle third-party content? Uh, most of, uh, you know, most modern websites have third-party elements on them today, whether it be product reviews or store locators or whatever have you. There's on-site search functionality. That sort of thing is difficult to, um, to support in other languages if you don't have experience with that. Um, as you go global, and, and many of the U.S. Hispanic sites that we um, provide to clients actually generate a just a ton of international traffic, um, often much to the surprise of our clients. And um, this is um, often the first sort of step towards globalization is targeting a, a domestic U.S. Hispanic audience and then measuring where you're drawing visitors from internationally. But obviously as you go international, you need to deal with currency and date formats and units of measure. Um, you're going to need to deal with things like customer service emails and call center support for multiple languages. You're going to need to think about how, who's going to market the site? How are they going to market it? Or how are we going to handle analytics? Um, and I guess whose job is it to make all these decisions anyway? So there's a lot of decisions to make and each decision if uh, if a mistake is made, can be very very costly. So I guess my third suggestion would be to um, to get experience help. You will in the end save money and and move a lot faster. And I think that's maybe if you give me a fourth recommendation is is to get the site live quickly, um, move quickly because the sooner you launch, the sooner you're going to learn. And learning is the key to generating value for your company. To summarize, start out with parity. In other words, have the same content, the same quality of content on both languages of the site. Is that correct? Is that what you meant? Yep. 
test. Make sure that things are what you think they are. Rely on experts so that you have answers to the questions before you set up the website and get the site up quickly. That would be my top four, and I could go on. But uh... Thank you, Chuck, for joining us from South Florida. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Chuck Whiteman, who is Senior Vice President of Client Services at Motion Point Corporation, who discussed the growing trend of bilingual websites. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at HispanicNPR.com.